I think there is a lot of pressure on him to 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 raise his game here. Now is when you you really notice that Anders Lee is not there. Yeah, I agreed with the decision. Then it looked stupid. Then it looked smart, but they lost anyway. So everyone is going to need an Advil after the game because everyone's going to have a giant honking headache. It's going to be an incredible scene there. Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast, the post-game two episode, number 87, which I will not be dubbing the Sidney Crosby episode. Hi, I'm Andrew Gross of Newsday, and as always in the playoffs, I am joined by my Newsday colleagues and good friends, Colin Stevenson, Neil Best. You can find me on Twitter at agrossnewsday. You can find Colin at Colin S. Newsday, and you can find Neil Best at Sportswatch. And for Newsday Islander text, which is your direct connection to one-on-one communication with me, please text 631-303-3766. That's 631-303-3766. Or go to newsday.com backslash Isles text to start your 14-day trial subscription. And we'll start here. The Islanders and Penguins head back to Nassau Coliseum for Thursday night's Game 3 with the series tied 1-1 after the Penguins take a a 2-0 lead in the first period and hang on for a 2-1 win in Tuesday night's Game 2. And Colin and I will start here by giving all sorts of praise to Neil Best, who nailed it with his call that Semyon Varlamov would be the starting goalie. So, Neil, tell us how you did that. We're not worthy. I'm, I'm happy to gloat about this because, I yeah, I have no shame when it comes to that. I, I guess my, my reasoning was the same as Barry Trotz's. Varlamov's been our best goalie all year. We're going to get him involved as soon as he's healthy, period. You know, however... Uh, obviously, five minutes into the game, uh, game two, I thought both Barry and I both didn't know what we were doing because of the way Varlamov gave up that awful first goal. And then by the end, obviously, he'd stabilize and look like his normal self, uh, but it was a loss. So, you know, in terms of writing about it, it was quite a challenge because, yeah, I agreed with the decision. Then it looked stupid. Then it looked smart, but they lost anyway. So it's very complicated. Uh, except for the actual decision itself, which turned out not to be complicated because he want, he just said, he's our best goalie. It was almost like Barry seemed surprised to be asked the question of why did you do this, even though most of us were surprised he did it. So I would be shocked if Arlamov does not start game three. Uh, uh, but, you know, I don't know. I guess I could be wrong someday. Andrew, you're 0 for 2 on this, right? I mean, you, you picked Varlamov for game one. And, you know, for game two. I, and I was saying this to one of the Pittsburgh writers at PPG Paints Arena. I was like, okay, so follow the timeline here. I go out, I, I, I drive out to Long Island for Saturday's practice before driving to Pittsburgh, right? So I can see with my own eyes that Semyon Varlamov is practicing with the team. Full team practice, he looked 100% fine. I, I see this, and me being a seasoned hockey reporter says, Barry Trotz, knowing that his number one goalie is, a, is good to go, is going to go with him in game one. So yes. imagine, my, imagine my surprise when I see Ilya Sorokin skate out <laughs> for game one so now 
we have that. And now in person, I, I, I'm at the Islanders morning skate on Tuesday, yesterday, before game two. And what I see with my own eyes, which, you know, obviously my, my eyesight is not great, but I know this to be a fact. Ilya Sorokin has one net to himself, while at the other end of the ice, Semyon Varlamov is sharing a net with Corey Schneider. Now, Colin, you cover a team with with three goalies frequently. What does that yeah. mean when one goalie has one net and the other two goalies are sharing the other net? The guy with the one net is the one that's going to play. Right. Ilya Sorokin has the one net. I'm like... Ilya Sorokin is the game two starter. So imagine my surprise when I see Semyon Varlamov skating out to start game two. So I might be out of the predicting the the, the starting goal <laughs> business. Because, and, and, and look, I, I got to think that Barry Trotz did that on purpose at the morning skate. He he, he had told Varley he was the starter. and then Oh, absolutely. He said, there are going to be reporters in this building. You go share the net with Schneider, and we'll have Mike Sullivan and the Penguins confused all day. I mean, the whole, yeah. the whole, the whole situation is very odd, obviously, as you just laid out. Um, but, I mean, I guess it does confirm what Barry says constantly, which is he has two goalies he's comfortable with, and he's also comfortable with just you know, yanking them around like this or yanking us around like this. Uh, but, but, it, but it did, you know, the, the, the Varley's, um, you know, his demeanor was, we sort of learned <laughs> last year, he benches Varlamov for game seven of, of a second round playoff series. Grice wins the game and then Grice bombs out in the start of the next game, go right back to Varlamov. So I, I do buy this notion that he's familiar going back and forth. He's comfortable going back and forth with his goalies. And that Varlamov is fine with this kind of uncertainty in life. Yeah, I mean, Braden Holpe was not the starter for the first two games of uh, the, the Capitals' run to the Stanley Cup in 2018 under Barry Trotz. So, you know, Barry's very comfortable, you know, trusting both goalies here. Obviously, the first goal was a disaster, but then Varlamov looked so good after that. And based on Barry's comments after the game, I find it hard to believe he will go back to Sorokin for game three. But but we've been wrong before. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I agree with you 100% that logic would dictate that Semyon Varlamov starts game three. I'm picking Corey Schneider. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What the heck? If you're going gonna to be wrong, you know, just go big. Yeah. And one unfortunate thing, even though this is sports writer whining, and this is a, a product of the Zoom era, <laughs> we have not gotten an opportunity to speak to either goalie after these games, which, you know, would have been nice, I think, for fans to hear from them, but perhaps we'll hear from them later in the series. Perhaps. I, I wouldn't, you know, if you start holding your breath over that, you might. Well, okay. I mean, this, this, hopefully this is the last Zoom playoff, and then we can stop whining about this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. The Islanders and Penguins are coming back to the Coliseum for, for game three, tied 1-1. Does it feel, even at 1-1, that one or the other team has an edge after two games in Pittsburgh? You know, it, two kind of similar games where the Islanders do not get off to the best starts in either game, um, 
but then they seem to be the better team, you know, down the stretch. And I know the Islanders got outshot 16 to 10 in the third period yesterday, even though they were down 2-1. But I, I, I did think, you know, the, the Islanders were getting the better chances later in the game. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know if there's an answer to that. But, you know, Colin, do you see one of these two teams kind of emerging here? I still say that the Islanders are better positioned. I still don't trust Tristan Jarry. So they got 38 shots on him in game two. And, um, and he made 37 saves, which is good for him. But I think a lot of those 38 shots were, they didn't get the clean looks that they got in game one. Right. I mean, uh, if you looked at the one goal he did give up, it was high glove side again. So, uh, you know, Palmieri beat him high glove side for that first goal. Uh, Baggio beat him for the second goal, high glove side. Um, <clears throat> I don't count the game winner because that's kind of, to me, kind of fluky. Um, but theoretically or technically, that's also high glove side. Um, and then high uh, mask. <laughs> yeah, high mask side glove. You know, good for Jerry. He bounced back. I'm sure it does all kinds of wonderful things for his confidence. I still don't believe that he's as good a goalie as whoever is in goal for the Islanders. So ultimately I think it, it won one. I think, you know, and Barry too <clears throat> was asked about getting the split in Pittsburgh. And he said, listen, you, you know, you have to get the split. I mean, if you don't get the split, you got to win four out of five. So, you know, you can't expect to go in there and win both games on the road. So they win the first one, they get the split and, and they're, they're perfectly positioned. And, and look, you know, and I, I know we'll talk about this in a few minutes, but they, they, they go two games and their, their best and, and highest paid player, Matt Barzell doesn't get a point. So, I mean, you figure at some point he's going to sort of step it up a little bit. It looked a, a lot more peppy, if you will, or lively or uh, whatever you want, whatever word you want to use. Um, a lot more visible, certainly, in the second half of game two. And, uh, you know, if he continues on that trajectory, then, you know, he should be, uh, you know, he should be getting to, you know, some place where he's going to affect the games uh, in the next two games coming up here. So I, I like the Islanders position. Neil? Well, I certainly think that a split was a fair result of those two games because, the, you know, the teams were fairly even. I thought Pittsburgh had more good minutes than the Islanders did because the Islanders' starts in both games were alarmingly bad. But, you know, the Islanders were sort of fortunate. Yes, this, this series looks very even after two games, and a split is appropriate. And if I, if I had to, you know, make a bet on it, I'd still pick the Islanders in the series. But – you know, they got to start better. And, and like Colin just said, I mean, Barzell, you know, look, we're hockey people and the hockey fans are talking about this, this stuff. But if Barzell, you know, in, in some other sports, if the star of the team got off to the start in a playoff series that Barzell has, it'd be lighting up the sports talk radio dial, you know, whether it's Aaron Judge or, you know, whoever the, 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 the guy you count on to be this quiet is, is uh, not okay. Um, but he's extremely capable of just, you know, coming out in game three and scoring three goals. Uh, he's a very explosive player, obviously. He sort of got a mini break in the third period. Yeah, I, I think as the game went, as game two went on, you saw signs, uh, as Colin is writing for newsday.com backslash aisles, um, Barzell's game became a little bit more straight line as game two progressed. 
And uh, he, he got a near breakaway in the third period. Leo Komarov gets him the puck. Um, Barzell just couldn't spring free enough to get off a solid shot. Um, so you saw signs of life from, from him. But, you know, really, if you, if you go through the game, I, I would say that, you know, the other three lines were much more impactful. Uh, on a consistent basis. Uh, you know, I, I thought the Nelson line from the second period on w- was creating chances. Pajot, uh, both games to me, was kind of all over the ice. Um, and, and even, you know, Casey Sezikis's line uh, played up ice a lot more than they were playing in their own zone. So it, it sort of seems like if Barzi can get his line with, with Jordan and 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 Leo cranked up here, then the, the Islanders will be achieving that four-line bar- balance that Barry looks for all the time. But, you know, I, I think there is a lot of pressure on him to, to, to raise his game here. The, it's not just that there's pressure on Barzell to produce because, you know, he's a star player. It's also the role he's been given. It's very weird. I mean, that these other lines have a lot of different things going on. Barzell, you know, he's got Everly, who's mostly a finisher. He's got Leo, who's Leo. You know, uh, Barzell <laughs> has to, in order for that line to get anything done, there is a lot on Barzell's shoulders <laughs> to make things happen. It's a very strange number one line as it's currently constructed. And there is a lot, and Barzell, it does, nothing's going to work unless Barzell makes it kind of work. Uh, so there's a lot on him, but of course he's a star. So he's supposed to, you know, be able to deal with that. If you're Pittsburgh, um, you know, how do you, how do you set up your, your defense against them? I mean, like, you know, you, are you putting, you know, your, your two best defensemen and your best defensive forward against Barzal by himself, because, you know, Leo is, as you say, Leo. Um, <laughs> hey, and you it, know, you to, know. To, be, to be fair to Leo, <laughs> he's probably been the most impactful player on that line. On that line, yeah. I mean, he had fourteen. Okay, but but he's still it's it's a limited. It's just yeah. I I I think you're right. But 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 when you look at the second line, you have three guys who can all do a lot of different things. And okay, I mean, I don't disagree with you about Leo. I'm just saying, obviously, he's not a normal left wing for a number one line on a cup winning team. No, and 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 the best moment to me. <laughs> through the first two games was when uh, Matt Martin and Casey Sezikis were being asked about Leo Komarov and, you know, what, you know, how engaging he was in, in, in the dressing room and Matt Martin couldn't even contain himself and just started laughing and said, I don't know if anyone would describe Leo as engaging. <laughs> you know, I, think, I think it was endearing that, that made him laugh. <clears throat> endearing. Yes. Yes. Endearing. I'm sorry. I got the story wrong. Hey, how uh, that endears Leo to his teammates. And Matt, Matt said, I don't think he's very endearing. So. <laughs> No, but but you're right. You're right, Neil. The, the the line. I think it's 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 starting to to show now that you know without Anders Lee, this is where, this is where not having Anders Lee is really starting to uh, raise its ugly head. I suppose. I mean, you're able to. You know, they're good enough uh, certainly to to finish in the top four. Although you know, at one point we thought they were going to win the division, and <clears throat> they ended up finishing fourth. Um, but yeah, now is now is when you you really notice that Anders Lee is not there. Uh, is 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 because you know, 
you know, look, it was fine that, that Barzal, Barzal was invisible in game one, but they got all these goals and all these points from, from other places and they won the game and it was fine. You know, I mean, really when he's not scoring, when he has the same number of points as Andy Green through two games, um, that's not good. That's not good. And, and, you know, and you look around and it's a fair point. If he passes to his left, I mean, you know, what's that guy going to do with the puck? So really there's only, there's only one thing that he can do really. He can, he can pass to Eberle if Eberle's on the doorstep and then the rest of it is he's on his own almost. And, and that's, that's a tough place to be in. You know, and, and Eberle of course is being compared to his, his last series against the Penguins, the uh, four-game sweep in the first round in 2019 when he had four goals in that series, in that four-game sweep. And, you know, everyone expected, you know, Everly to just, you know, have a goal per game <laughs> coming back in this series. And I thought he was visible. I thought he was active. I thought he generated some stuff in game two. Uh, he just didn't yeah, finish. He had that one really good backhander right from the slot that, that – yeah kind of gobbled up there so I, I agree that you know Jordan was making himself available and, and you know he just hasn't connected yet but uh and you know it, it, when we talk about Anders Lee and this this is going to be you know it, it sounds harsh but it's almost not worth discussing Anders Lee at this point because you right. know he's not coming back right you know, that's you true know, it, it's the ultimate next man up situation you you know He's, he's your best power forward. He, he, he's, you know, the perfect fit to, to Barzell and, and Eberle and, and he makes the power play so much better and it's all moot points because he's not coming back. Yes. But, you know, it may be, I think, uh, I think it might be uh, time to, well, and Barry, you know, Barry's a coach and Barry knows, you know, a lot more than me, but, you know, as fans, I mean, you, you might want to think at some point, maybe shake things up. Right. So let's say you put Matt Martin um, on, uh, on Barzal's left. Uh, does he approximate, does he still give you that same physical presence that Leo gives you? Um, and, and, but then he, does he also give you the net front presence that, that you're not getting um, because Anders Lee isn't there. Uh, and he's got, you know, not terrible hands. So, I mean, like, you know, might he be <clears throat> a better fit uh, at some point if, if things don't change, right? I mean, and I'm not saying it's got to be, you know, the first shift of, of game three, but it, that's got to be a move you have in your back pocket. That's one, yeah. one, other thing, one other thing about the Sanders Lee thing. I mean, obviously, it's, it goes without saying what a devastating injury that was for him and for the team. However, you know, other than that, they're in pretty good health. And, you know, the Penguins have played the first two games without Malkin. So, you know, I mean, injuries happen, obviously. That was a bad one. But it's not as if this Islanders team has been devastated by injuries this season. Yeah, no. Yeah. You, you bring up a good point with Malkin because that is going to kind of change the tenor of the series a little bit when he does get back into the lineup. It stretches out the Penguins lineup because Jeff Carter can go back to centering the third line. You put Malkin on the second line and, and now the Penguins are coming at you in waves as Barry Trotz and the Islanders like to describe it. So, you know, the, the Islanders probably are missing an opportunity not to be up 2-0 without Malkin in the, uh, in the Penguins lineup. And, and I thought the Penguins Penguins have gotten lucky a couple of times in this series uh, with, with, you know, a that uh, 
you know, Brian Dumoulin did not get more hurt than he was uh, when he took that Ryan Pulak shot off his skate. And there was some question as to whether he was going to play game two. He did play game two. So the Penguins get lucky there. And then uh, 46 seconds into the third period, uh, Pajot kind of rides uh, Dumoulin heavy into the end boards and, and Dumoulin has to go to the Penguins room but he returned quickly from that. So, uh, you know, Dumoulin uh, is, is such a key part to what the Penguins are doing. They, he's one guy they really can't afford to lose. So they've gotten lucky twice now in, in the series with Brian Dumoulin. Um, you know, uh, you mentioned getting back. We were talking about not getting uh, Anders Lee back. It's a good transition or uh, a forced one, maybe, but the Islanders and Penguins come back to Nassau Coliseum for game three on Thursday night. And it's going to be get back night because they're going to be 6,800 fans at the Coliseum. And, you know, and, and Neil had mentioned on, on a previous podcast about, you know, maybe we oversold the impact of having 1,400 people in the Coliseum that it, it still ultimately seemed a little bit empty you know, almost 7,000 people in, in a building that seats just under 14, 50%. I, I can tell you from experience uh, being in PP, PPG Paints Arena uh, for, for game time, I, I got too many P's in there. Uh, being in, in the building for game two, when, when they went up, when they doubled from about 4,000 to about 9,000, you know, 50% capacity, the difference was immeasurable. It felt, for the first time, it, it, it really felt like a full, insane playoff crowd. It was loud in there, and it wasn't because they were piping in noise. The, the, the fans were great last night. I, I think it, it brought energy to both teams, obviously to the Penguins at first, but I, I really do think it brought energy to the uh, to the Islanders game as well, just to have the fans, you know, screaming all night. And, and Barry said for the first time, you know, he couldn't really, you know, hear things being said on the bench. And and he knew he was being yelled at by the fans and he could hear <laughs> the fans yelling at each other. And it just felt normal. And Barry, I, I thought Barry was very eloquent. He said, you know, it, it brings juice to the game. It brings emotion to the game. And this is a game of emotion. So how could it not be better? And, you know, I think it is going to be some scene at Nassau Coliseum with these teams coming back 1-1 for a pivotal game three. And we all know how pivotal game threes are in best of seven series. In, in some ways, you know, uh, you know, game three, game five, uh, sometimes are the most important games. And to have a half full crowd at Nassau Coliseum where, you know, you know, everyone is going to need an Advil after the game because everyone's going to have a giant honking headache. It's going to be an incredible scene there. You know, even even for the, you know, the majority of people who are still watching on television, of course, it, it's it's a better experience. I mean, just and it's not just that you, we, I felt it watching on TV from the game of Pittsburgh last night, which you were there. Uh, but but even just you know watching some of the NBA games now, watching baseball games where there's getting fuller and fuller, uh, you know it's a better experience on TV as well as in person. And I do think you know look, I mean players and teams and even sports writers sort of 
theoretically appreciated how important fans were before the last year. But now I think we really, you know, understand it better. Everybody involved in sports professionally, <clears throat> I think now appreciates fans more than we used to now that we, we lost them. So, uh, yeah, of course, I agree with you. It's going to make games three and four, you know, a lot more fun, particularly if the Islanders win and the fans are, you know, have something to cheer about. And, and you know, the other thing is, I mean, PPG, <coughs> excuse me, Paints Arena is one of these modern things, you know, 11 years old. And it, it, it was very funny to me that, you know, <laughs> there were some elevator issues at the arena, uh, games one and two, the off day, the, you know, the, uh, the either there, there were two elevators, two media, you know, uh, dedicated elevators. And uh, for game one, only one of them was working on the off day practice. Neither one was working, so we couldn't get up to the press box. So it was funny to me hearing uh, the, the arena workers complaining about, you know, this is an 11 year old building already falling apart. Right. And, <laughs> but the, the, the the point is, and, and, you know, they don't work at the Coliseum. You know, you, you fit 9,000 people into that building at, at 50%, and it, it seems like people are on top of you. You go to the Coliseum, you know, 50%, you know, 6,800 people in there, it's going to seem like a mob scene because, yeah. of, you know, how compact that building is. I mean, it, it really, it, I think it's going to be, louder and more intense than Pittsburgh just because it has to be because of the compact nature of, of the, as we call it, the venerable barn. Yeah. Also just in, in sort of competitive <clears throat> terms, it's interesting that um, you know, you're dealing usually in hockey home ice playoffs is not a big deal. It's not like you could say, Oh, well they split on the road. So therefore they have the upper hand, like you would say in the NBA or in baseball, but uh, but these two teams are very good at home, you know, noticeably good records at home. So uh, you add the fans to the mix, and, and I think it's fair to say that, well, wait a minute, there's five games left, and the Islanders now have home ice advantage, and that could be an actual relevant thing, which it usually isn't in hockey. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. Totally looking forward to, uh, to game three on Thursday. Looking forward to being at home. Uh, and I, I will say that it was – it was a nice change of pace. Uh, I know you guys didn't get to travel for games one and two, but this was my first road trip uh, in 15 months. And, uh, you know, since uh, we were all yanked off the road, uh, you know, I was in Calgary when uh, the pandemic shut down the world. I flew home from Calgary and uh, that was March 12th, 2020, right? And uh, now we're into May 21 and I'm back on the road. And, uh, you know, I know we keep, all talking about little bits of normalcy returning to our lives. And uh, I, I got to say, sitting in a hotel room, working, being at a, a visiting rink, it, 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 it kind of reminded me of everything I haven't done for the last 15 months. And it, it was, it was kind of cool. And, and I hope you guys are uh, soon to join me out here on the road. Did you well, get to Monte brothers? I, I, you know what? <laughs> I, I, I ate bad enough. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and my favorite thing was <laughs> the restaurant in this hotel. <laughs> like, so I'm looking, I'm like, I gotta, I, I gotta eat one good meal here. Let me get a salad. So I order up something called the Pittsburgh salad. It comes with French fries. <laughs> 
and, and, and not French fries as a side dish. It came with French fries on top of the lettuce and cucumbers. <laughs> That's it. That's true. Uh, I love Pittsburgh, man. Yeah. Yeah. You need to make reservations for us in Vegas for the uh, the semifinal series, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably be taking my baths in the Bellagio pool if I, if I get to uh, Vegas. Oh, boy. All right, guys. I will see you back for game three. I appreciate you uh, hanging out once again and contributing. And again, that's Neil Best on Twitter at SportsWatch. That's Colin S. Stevenson on Twitter. Um, I'm Andrew Gross. I'm at A. Gross Newsday. And Newsday Islander Text is your one-on-one direct communication with me at text 631-303-3766 or go to newsday.com backslash Isles Text to start your 14-day trial subscription. And until we talk after game three, happy hockey, everybody.